Galatians 4, 4 through 7. If you've been with us for a few weeks, these um, should be familiar to you by now. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it was a joy to hear the children sing these words this morning. We pray that you would cause them to believe these words. Pray that you cause us to believe these words. This is such good news. Help us to believe this morning. Help us as we gather around your word. Um, the, the end result this morning is that we would, we would love Jesus more than we do now and um, that we would be, by your grace, determined to, to be more like him in the way that we live. We pray all of this in, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, two weeks ago, we looked at the phrase, when the fullness of time had come. We looked at that phrase two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at the phrase, God sent forth His Son. And this week, we're going to look at the phrase, born of woman. The sermon this week is on the phrase, born of woman. Jesus Christ was born of woman. The Son of God was born of woman. Um, he, was, he was actually born. Like billions of other babies throughout the history of the world, Jesus Christ was born of woman. Mary's water broke and she went into labor. And there was great pain because of Adam's sin. There was great pain when Mary gave birth to Jesus. Because Mary lived in a sin-cursed world, there was great pain in childbirth. There was great fear. Um, I, when my, I have been there when my wife has given birth and um, each time, and uh, my job is to give her ice chips. Um, that's the only job in the room that I'm qualified for, and so I hand out ice chips. Um, I don't know, I don't think Joseph had any ice chips to give to Mary, so he probably told her to breathe and told her she could do it and told her he loved her, and he probably felt a little bit like a helpless doofus as well. Scripture doesn't say, but if Joseph is like most men, he probably mentioned that she should push. Mary probably thanked him for that helpful advice. She hadn't thought of that. Thank you. We don't know. We don't know. We know they were a couple of ordinary humans going through probably what was at this point of their life, the scariest time in their lives. We know from Scripture we can tell Joseph loved Mary, no matter what his midwifing skills were. Joseph loved Mary. And we know that as all women who give birth are, Mary was courageous and strong. All women who give birth are. 
whether they feel like it or not. And we know that Jesus was born. He was born of woman. They didn't have any other options, so they laid him in a feeding trough. Jesus was born of woman. Just like billions of other babies throughout the history of the world. I don't want to have to be the one to do this to you this morning, but I have to. It's, it's, it's my job. I have to do this. I have to, I have to crush lies wherever I see them. There's a lie floating around the world that, that all babies are cute. Some of you in this room subscribe to this lie. My wife is one of you. She will be holding her phone. And she'll say, aww. And she's looking at the picture on Facebook of some second cousin who had a baby or some friend from somewhere who had a baby. And my daughters will gather around and they'll look at the phone. Aww. It's so cute. I look at the... Nope. No. No, 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 no. That, is, that baby is not cute. It is not a cute baby. Let's put an end to this nonsense right now. That is not cute. I've seen a cute baby. That's not it. If a cute baby is five stars, that baby is a two-star if you put a hat on it. Maybe. That baby at best is incredibly average. My wife and daughters have no discernment. Every baby is not cute. It's a lie. Let's be done with that lie. We don't know what Jesus looked like, but we do know he was incredibly average. In fact, he probably was below average. Isaiah 53 says, says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. And, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If we could have rushed in with the shepherds and seen the baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger, we might have been surprised at how average or even below average he looked. He looked like a regular old baby. Maybe a two-star baby. Maybe put a hat on him. See if it helps. Especially if we had known at the time Hebrews 1. If we could have rushed into that manger into that into that stable and seen that manger and seen the baby in the manger, if we could have rushed in there with the shepherds and we would have known Hebrews 1. We would have known what we were looking at. Hebrews 1 says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. In the fullness of time, God has sent forth His Son. And listen to who His Son is. His Son, who He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. His Son is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. This little baby, born of woman, as all babies are, is the divine Son of God. He is the heir of all things. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of God's nature, which means He is God Himself. Colossians 1 describes Jesus, the eternal Son of God, He describes Him, it describes him this way. It says, For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. You, you think of something, Jesus created it. All things were created 
through Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. He is eternal. Before all things. And He created all things. And He holds all things together. And He's doing this for His own glory. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And now, He's stuck in this manger unless someone picks Him up. He is completely God and He is fully human. Born of woman. As all babies are. Before He was born, the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream because Joseph was trying to sort out what to do. He finds out that his wife is pregnant. The angel says to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Mary became pregnant while she was still a virgin. Because because that which was conceived in her was from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, in some mysterious way, brought about Jesus' conception. Jesus is God with us. Joseph is not Jesus' father. God is Jesus' father. Jesus is God with us. Every time I think of those words, and then I think of Isaiah 53, he had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. I'm a a little surprised. He arrived as just a a human. Just like a, a, a regular baby. God with us is a tough phrase for me to get my mind around. I, when, if, if, when the Scripture says Jesus is the eternal God who created all things for His glory, I can, I can understand that phrase. I can understand that sentence. I can understand that theological truth. It's, there's a lot of mystery there still, but we, we, you, you can kind of understand it. But it's not only that He is God. He is God with us. He became one of us. He is completely with us, fully human. Fully God and fully human. He is God born of woman. Now why did God the Father send the Son this way? Well, last week we looked at why God the Father sent His Son. But this week we want to look at why did He do it this way? Why was Jesus born of woman? Why did He become human? Why is this the mode, the method? Why? And that brings us to our sermon. You're wondering when the sermon was going to start. It's going to start now. The rest of that was just me talking. Here we go with the sermon. Two reasons why Jesus was born of woman. That's our sermon this morning. Two reasons why Jesus was born of woman. Alright, so the first thing we're going to do is we're going to see the main reason. The big reason. The second reason that we we have for our sermon this morning, it could have been, there's, there's many things that could have been our second reason. There's all kinds of secondary, like, application of this truth. 
But the first reason is the one we have to get. We have to believe by God's grace. We have to get this. The main reason why Jesus was born of woman. Here it is. Jesus was born of woman in order to pay for our sin. Jesus was born of woman in order to pay for our sin. Some preachers, Bible teachers, are good at illustrations. They're good at illustrations. They're good at, they're good at taking um, complex or weighty biblical truth, like, like truth that we can understand, but it's hard to get the gravity of it, the, 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 the wonder of it. They, they can get some big, complex truth, and they can illustrate it in some good way. If, if you have been here with me for a few years, then you've forgotten what that's like. But there are preachers out there who can do that. They, I mean, you, you listen to the sermon, and you're like, that's a, that's a five-star ser- illustration. It's a five-star illustration. Mine are like two stars if you put a hat on them. Um, they're not, not great. Sometimes I have a good illustration. I'm like, yeah, that was great. And then I go like ten weeks, and I'm like, I can't think of one. But anyhow, but I have no illustration, and I don't think anybody does. No matter how good they are at illustrations, I don't think anybody has something that captures what it was like for the eternal Son of God to lower Himself to, 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 be, to be human. To be born of woman. To put on flesh. We, I, I'm not sure that there's an illustration out there that can capture the wonder of that. That can capture what it was like for the, the One who created all things for His glory to be born as a frail baby. I don't have a good illustration for that. Someone might, but I don't. And then you think why he did it. Hebrews 2:14 says this captures why Jesus took on flesh and blood. Hebrews 2:14 says, "Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus became human. He partook of flesh and blood. The eternal pre-incarnate Christ, the, the Christ before the first Christmas when He was born, the, the Christ that, 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 has, uh, that was before all things. He didn't have flesh and blood. He didn't need flesh and blood. He became flesh and blood. He became killable. He was not killable. Before the first Christmas, He wasn't killable. He wasn't bruisable. He became killable so that, so that He could be killed. That's why He did it. We were enslaved to our sin. If you're not in Christ this morning, you are enslaved to your sin. And since we were enslaved to our sin, we were enslaved to Satan and death 
and hell. And, and, and in order for Jesus to make actual propitiation for our sins, Hebrews 2 goes on and says, therefore He had to be made like His brothers in every respect so that He might become a merciful and high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to make propitiation for us. Which, which means, it's a weird word we don't use hardly at all anymore, it means that Jesus, he, he paid the full price for our sins. He took all of the wrath of God, all of the anger of God, all of the punishment that we deserve. Jesus took all of it for us. He stood between God's righteous and holy anger for our defilement, our sin, our rebellion. Jesus stood in between us and the judgment that we deserve, and Jesus took it all. And Jesus... The way He took it satisfied God's wrath completely. He paid the full price for our sins. And Hebrews teaches us that for Jesus to do this, He had to be a flesh and blood human. He had to be killable so He could be killed. We deserve eternal hell for our sin. God has righteous, holy punishment stored up for all those who have willfully rebelled against Him. If Jesus was going to pay for our sin, He had to be fully God and fully human. Hebrews says He had to be. It's it's because only a sinless, holy, perfect God could, could actually pay for the sins of the world. No less than God could do it. Because no one else could pay for it in any kind of full and final way. No one else could actually pay for the sins of the world. You had to be holy, perfect, spotless, innocent. Only God fits the bill. But also, He needed to be human, because he had to be a legitimate representative. You can't represent humans unless you are a human. You can't stand in the place of your people unless you're one of your people. Jesus became human so that he could be a legal representative, so that he could actually, legally stand in place of ruined sinners and pay for our sin. And he did this because he is one of us. He is God with us. And it's the only way it could work. It's why Hebrews says he had to be made like his brothers in every respect to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He became killable so that he could be killed for sins that he didn't commit. So that all who believe in him could be saved from the punishment that they deserve. Have you believed this? Have you believed this? You're not a halfway decent person and Jesus wants another buddy so you can have a relationship with Him. You are a sinner on your way to hell. Jesus took on flesh to stand between the dreadful horrific punishment that you deserve. 
please believe this. Please believe this. It is our only hope in life and death. Jesus was born of woman to pay for our sins. That's the first reason. That's the main reason. That's the big reason. We are going to do a second reason, though. Jesus was born of woman to show us how to treat each other. Jesus was born of woman to show us how to treat each other. Now, I'm going to say it again. If you haven't believed the gospel, if God hasn't graciously given you a new heart to believe the gospel and to be adopted into his family, then Jesus' example won't do you any good. If Christianity to you is kind of be kind to people because Jesus was kind to people, if that's kind of what you think it is to be a Christian, then you're just wrong. It's not going around being nice. Jesus' example does you no good unless you have believed the gospel. Unless Jesus is your Savior. You need the work of the Spirit in your life. You need the new heart that only God can give. You need God to start that good work in you. And if He has, if you have been adopted into His family through the cross of His Son, then here we have one of the ways that the New Testament applies the Incarnation. Paul here in Philippians chapter 2, he takes the truth of the, of, of, that, that, that Jesus was the eternal Son of God born of woman. Paul takes that huge truth and applies it to our lives. And so we have our second reason here. Jesus was born of woman to show us how to treat each other. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Paul is going to Paul is going to use now the the logic here that's built into Jesus being born of woman. Paul says Jesus was in the form of God, which in this verse in this context means he was the he was the true and exact nature of God and he he had all the the attributes of God and he had all the privileges of God. That's the part that we have to hold on to this morning, the part that we have to understand. Jesus had all the privileges of God. The, the angels in heaven were devoted. I want you to imagine this with me. Because again, I have no illustration for this. I have no... I, all I can say is, here's what it is. I have no way of, of, of like explaining this in a creative way that helps you understand it better. We just have to look at the, God's Word and just see it. The, the angels in heaven were devoted to giving the, the, the Son of God the credit that He deserved. He had the reputation and the prestige and the home and the status that He deserves. He had equality with God. And Paul says he didn't count that as something to be grasped, which means he decided to give up the status 
that he deserved. He gave up completely the lifestyle that he deserved. I want you to think about this with me. Angels are are the most intelligent created beings in the universe. If, If any created beings get it, angels get it. And they spent their time honoring the beauty and majesty of God the Son. So Jesus went from that, the smartest beings in the universe, understanding and recognizing and honoring Him for who He is, to coming to earth, where, where I don't know if you've noticed, we're not the smartest beings in the universe. And we didn't see His beauty and His majesty. So He became someone that people misunderstood and hated and mocked and eventually killed. He did all this because He counted us more significant than Himself. He counted us more significant than himself. Let that sink in this morning. He counted us more significant than himself. And so Paul says, with that in mind, with that in mind, do nothing from selfish ambition. Count others more significant than than yourselves. Look upon the interests in other, of others. We are, I don't know about you, but I, and so I'm just going to lump you in with me because I don't want to be all by myself with this, we are so protective of our reputation, of our comfort, of our significance, of our status, of our rights. We're always talking about our rights. We're so concerned about our own interests. Paul says, and the, the whole New Testament is a chorus of this truth. We, we, that's not the way forward for the Christian. If you're going to abide by the, the principles laid out in the New Testament, you've got to stop worrying about yourself so much. You can't do it if you're concerned with your own comfort and your own rights and your own significance. If you live that way, you won't be half the, the husband or wife or parent that you should be. You won't be half the the Christian friend that you should be. You won't be half as committed to the local church as you should be. You just Because the Christian life is a life of service. It's a life of making decisions based on what is best for other people. Putting their needs above your own. It is a life of saying, who cares about who gets the credit? It's a life of pouring your time and money and energy into people who could never pay you back, even if they want to, and sometimes they don't want to. If you are like me, this is an everyday battle. I am so consistently tempted to see everything as how it affects me. How does this make me feel? How does this fit in with what I want? Me, me, me. So if you are like me, this is an everyday battle. And so we have to remind ourselves We know, if we've, if we've spent time in the Bible, then we know it's the only way forward. It doesn't come naturally to me. At all. Here's what will help. Here's what helps. I remember who the Son of God is. For by Him all things were created. Heaven and earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities, all of it, all things were created 
through Him and for Him. He is the, I mean, everything that you can imagine, it was created by Jesus for His own glory. And that Jesus counted you and me more significant than Himself. That Jesus was, was born of woman so that He could be killed at the hands of sinful men in order to pay for sins that you and I committed so that we could be adopted into God's family. Hebrews calls Him the heir of all things. And Galatians calls us heirs with Him. He left the status He deserves to count us more significant than Himself. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Christ Jesus, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You for the astounding story of of Jesus, the heir of all things, becoming killable in order to be killed. Taking on flesh and blood so that He could save us, deliver us who are enslaved to sin. This is a simple truth. Probably most of us I've thought about this many times. The straightforward truth. Help us somehow, God, to be to be more in awe of it, of you, of your Son. And I pray that that would show up in the way that we are kind to one another, in the way that we serve one another.
that we would honor the one who is now the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, the, the, the one that we can trust fully because he is now back in his rightful place and one day everyone's going to see it. Help us to trust Jesus. Help us to believe the good news that he was born of woman to pay for our sins. Help us to live in ways that honor him. It's in his name we pray. Amen.